This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. Let's take a look at some of the headlines um, in the region this morning. Yes, we start in Malaysia. Prime Minister Ismail Sabri Yaakob made his first official visit to Brunei this week to mm. talk about a proposal to establish a VTL, a vaccinated travel lane by air between Malaysia and Brunei. Good that companies, or rather countries, are opening up. Uh, we're also tracking this one quite closely in the Philippines. Ferdinand Marcos Jr. is skipping yet another gathering of presidential candidates. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? We'll also be looking at Vietnam, which expects to continue factory production despite record COVID-19 infections. Let's get in touch with the man himself, Leslie Lopez, regional correspondent for The Straits Times. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Good morning, Barty. I'm doing good. So, uh, looks like it's good stuff here in Malaysia. You've got uh, the Prime Minister Dato Sri Ismail Sabri. He is in Brunei for two days. Uh, he's had an audience with the Sultan of Brunei. Um, and they're talking about this VTL, Malaysia and Brunei. What, what can you tell us about it? Well, you know, uh, well, there is a VTL that uh, is being discussed and four flights a week. And uh, this, I think this basically underscores the kind of close relationship. VTL was just one part of the negotiations. They talked about the Trans-Borneo Highway, which connects uh, Sabah and Sarawak, and I think is going to involve Brunei too. So, you know, the Brunei Sultanate and Malaysia have close relations. Apart from the close ties with, you know, the nine royal households here, uh, the Malaysian government too, you know, maintains a very, very close relationship with the the Brunei Sultanate, particularly the Sultan himself, who is a regular visitor to the country here. So this just shows how governments want to kind of leverage on the close relations that they have with neighboring countries and try and open up the economies as soon as they can. So I think we're going to see a lot of this bilateral kind of negotiations, bilateral kind of uh, relationships coming into play. Already we're seeing uh, these talks about with Singapore and also with Thailand too. So this is just a common theme, I think, that we're going to see in the coming weeks. Now, even as Malaysia reaches out to its neighbours, there's a lot going on domestically, isn't there? Opposition leader Anwar Ibrahim's party, Keadilan Rakia, did not name, apparently, all of its candidates for the Johor state election as scheduled on Monday this week. Negotiations with fellow opposition party, the Malaysian United Democratic Alliance, over seat allocations, I noticed, dragged on beyond a self-imposed deadline. And Dato Suri Anwar only named 13 PKR candidates instead of the 20 that he was supposed to, leaving those seven seats still up in the air. So what is this unresolved deadlock between PKR and Muda all about? And why are they not able to move forward here? Well, you know, I think what is happening now is that PKR, Party Kadilan Rayat, which for a long time was kind of the linchpin of the opposition party, is trying to reassert that role now. Uh, it kind of uh, surrendered that key position as leader of the opposition when they went into this partnership with Dr. Mahade in the last election, where Mahade became the, the prime minister. So what we're seeing today, all of this really suggests that PKR basically is saying, look, we are now, we remain leaders of the opposition and we're going to reassert that role. That is something that what I think is happening now, Muda is this new kid on the block, 
trying to demand seats. And I think we're going to see that this is basically a reasserting of PKR's uh, position in the opposition coalition. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. All right, Leslie, let's head over to the Philippines. Uh, we're going to talk about Ferdinand Marcos Jr.'s son, uh, the namesake of the late Philippine dictator. Apparently, he turned out an invitation to attend a media forum for candidates earlier this month. I think we talked about it. He's also going to skip another gathering of presidential candidates. He is widening his lead in a survey that's been conducted by pollster Pulse Asia Research in January. What's the message here? I'm confident I got this, or what are you? What are you interpreting? Well, this is this is really interesting. I mean, the skipping of debates. I guess he's confident with his social messaging. He's 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 made an huge impact on social media. There are clearly concerns and some doubts about whether these these surveys and the social media impact that he has, whether they are overblown. Only, I think it will tell only in the elections, but he appears to be confident with these, with these surveys. He and Duterte's daughter, who are running mates for the, for the elections, for the uh, president and the vice president, they appear to be uh, surging ahead in the polls. The thing is that uh, the polls in the Philippines have been fairly accurate and it's interesting that that uh, how Marcos is Marcos Jr. is actually surging in the polls. You know, I think there is still a campaign going on to try and get him disqualified. That's not that uh, those the people who are behind the campaign have vowed that they will continue to to pursue this. We gotta see this in you know, typically like in Philippines, it's always interesting, always surprises and still early days. Based on your objective assessment, though, Leslie, what do you think? Is his confidence warranted? Is his message of national unity really going to deliver what he thinks the country needs, what the country really needs? Well, you know, I really wish that I could be on the ground in Philippines trying to get the pulse there, but talking to friends, talking to our sources there, clearly people want change. People want change, and the question is, is he the guy? Is he the guy that, that who's going to bring this change? But what we do know is that this near complete rebranding of the Marcos image is happening today. Whether that will be, that will transform into, you know, Sean of the Marcos family becoming uh, president again will be something that is going to be an extremely interesting and I think going to be widely followed phenomenon. I mean, who doesn't want to be in the ground in the Philippines, <laughs> Leslie, have a yeah. bit of crispy pata, sisig yeah, exactly. at the same time. Oh. Okay, okay, sorry. Some good time we have, yeah. <laughs> As usual, we're very Singaporean. Always talk of about course. food. Always food. Hey, we got another That's situation uh, that we need to talk about. This is uh, the developing one in Myanmar. The junta said it would not be attending the upcoming ASEAN summit in Cambodia after the bloc's regrettable exclusion of its top diplomat over a lack of progress in defusing post-coup violence. Oh, it's a bit of a contradiction here, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, I think Myanmar basically is taking this very, very hard stance with ASEAN, and ASEAN is reciprocating. At this point in time, Cambodia, which, is, which holds the chair, is kind of 
warming, trying to warm up to Myanmar and get them to see reason and to abide by some of ASEAN's conditions. But, you know, here you have a state, Huda, that is really basically saying, uh, we don't need to talk to anyone. So I think this is for ASEAN. The question will be now how hard, uh, what kind of hardball tactics will ASEAN employ here to bring, try and bring Myanmar to, you know, to basically adhere to conditions of the of the grouping and play by the rules of the grouping. This is going to be interesting, but clearly Myanmar is showing that, you know, it, it really is ready to be isolated at this point. Leslie, let's move on to talking about Vietnam. We are seeing some developments there, pretty interesting developments. They've reported more than 26,000 new COVID-19 infections over the weekend. We're talking about double the peak of last year. Yet, Vietnamese factories are continuing to operate. They're making everything from shoes to smartphones, and they're expected to continue production. What sort of signals does this send out, really? I think the real underlying signal here is that, and uh, is the, the confidence of the Vietnamese government of, uh, proceeding, going on with life despite the despite this surge, is because so many people, actually more than seventy six percent of the population, have at least received two vaccines. You know, and it's up from three point three percent in September last year. So the being vaccinated, they believe that they can handle this recent surge by uh, because of the Omicron variant, which is proving to be less severe than the Delta one that we saw previously. So I think here the, the story here is that, you know, Vietnam is basically saying get vaccinated and look, the sooner we'll get on to life as usual. So that probably is the, the message that I think we're getting from Vietnam now. All right, Leslie Lopez, regional correspondent for The Straits Times. Leslie, thanks a lot for taking the time. We take and stay safe, yeah? Will do. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.